Uh, good morning. Welcome to Rock Bible Church. We are a Christ-centered, biblically-based, compelling, casual community, compelling ourselves and others to Christ in casual ways that welcome all to worship, being a community that serves the greater community. Amen? Amen. And do we have a lot of rules? No. No, no we don't have a lot of rules. Okay. Be nice. It's one of them. There's not too many other rules. Okay. That's why we say you can come in casual ways and we welcome all to worship, right? Because we all have a shot at salvation and there is no one like our God and he's a rock, right? We're about to see that as we finish the culmination of this book. Uh, chapter 31, 1 Samuel, we have a whole bunch of stories that started way back with this lady named Hannah and a priest named Eli. She can't have a kid and she prays to God and man, there's no way this was supposed to work out. All of a sudden we've got Samuel, then we, then we want a king and so then we have Saul and then he, well, he drops the ball and so then here comes David on the scene and, and the rivalry between Saul and David and how this is all played out and and there's been missteps along the way. It's all going to come to the end today. Are you ready for it? Yes. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for our time this morning. I bless what we read, what we hear, how we understand it. May it all be guided by you. May we take what we're meant to this morning. And would you eliminate distractions, the irrational, the wrong emotion, the the things that get in the way. Now have us see you. Have us see your word. May it be blessed by your spirit and honor your son, Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen? Amen. First Samuel chapter 31, verse 1. Here we go. Now the Philistines... decided to show up for the fight. <laughs> okay? So... Uh, for those of us just joining us, mid-series, uh, Philistines are the bad guys, and uh, Israel, uh, or Judah, the Hebrews, um, they're set up for this war. And, and David was going to be there, supposed to be there, on the side of the Hebrews, but Saul's been trying to kill him, so he ran. He picked sides with the enemy. He was supposed to come then. The second time he was supposed to maybe be at this fight, he was supposed to be with the Philistines, but the Philistines said, well, no, you can't fight against the Hebrews with us because you're Hebrew and you could turn on us. Why don't you just go home? So David's gone. In fact, you won't see David in this chapter. We're going to talk about that at the very end when we get to our fill-ins. But God has taken uh, David and removed him from this story as it ends. He's back home. He's avenging uh, what the Amalekites did and attacking his hometown. He goes home from battle because he wasn't allowed to be in the battle. And he finds out that the Amalekites have taken their women, their children, the whole thing. He takes his guys. They go back and get them. And that was all last week. You can listen to on the pad podcast or on the website um, with our YouTube video. But this is the battle now that's going on simultaneous to what we heard with David. This is what's going on with the Philistines and the Hebrews. The men of Israel fled before the Philistines and fell slain on Mount Gilboa. Well, that was a quick battle. It's over in one verse. 
Philistines win. That's not good. God's people are supposed to win, right? Did you did you join this whole Christian thing so you could lose? Be a loser? Anybody enjoy losing? No, it's not supposed to happen this way. It's supposed to be different. Verse 2, and the Philistines overtook Saul. Who's Saul? The He's the king. And his sons. And the Philistines struck down Jonathan, Abinadab, and Malkishua. Everybody say Malkishua. Because you don't have to say that anymore. He's gone. The sons of Saul. It's interesting. Because Saul couldn't get any support. And he cried out to the Lord about this battle. And God was silent. Didn't answer him. He got rid of all the seers and the mediums and things out of the land. Didn't have a priest, per se, with him. And so we went, found one lady. And then he says to this lady, I want you to conjure up for me Samuel. And when he conjures up, when she conjures up Samuel, Samuel shows up and says, what are you doing? Leave me alone. Why'd you call me here? I already told you everything you need to know. You're not going to be king anymore. You're going down. In fact, tomorrow, you'll be with me. This is the day after. Was Samuel right? Ooh. And the kids too. Which means what? What just, what just do we just wipe out? The line is gone. Are we going to have a new king? Yeah. Are we going to have a new line? Absolutely. Right? Um, in, in, in Hebrew, uh, Israel, Jewish tradition, they track themselves all the way back to David, not Saul. Right? So, the battle pressed hard against Saul, uh, verse 3, and the archers found him. So they're going to tell you how it happened. Right? Uh, scripture uh, a lot, many times goes in an order different than the way we tell stories. We do chronologically, right? First I called Doug. Then he said this. Then I said that. Then we met up. Then we had amazing pizza. <laughs> right? That we go chronologically. Bible does a lot of things like this. Oh, by the way, him and his sons died. All right, now let's go back here. Let me tell you how it happened. Right? So this is what that's what's going on here. The battle pressed hard against Saul, and the archers found him. Well, that's not good. And he was badly wounded by the archers. And Saul said to his armor bearer, draw your sword, thrust me through with it, lest these uncircumcised come and thrust me through and mistreat me. Why don't you kill me now? I don't want to give them the glory of being able to say they killed the king. You kill me. I don't want them torturing me or anything like that. Let's just end this. Now, Remember how David had made a big deal about not raising your hand against the Lord's anointed? It must be taking, it must be catching on. Because watch, his armor bearer would not, for he feared greatly. I don't care how bad the king is off, I'm not killing him. 
right? Watch this. Therefore Saul took his own sword and fell upon it. Ooh. When his armor bearer saw that Saul was dead, he also fell upon his sword and died with him. Double ooh. Double ooh. Thus Saul died and his three sons and his armor bearer and all his men on the same day together. Does that fine, sound pretty final? What do we learn about God from that? Is God final? Is he decisive to keep his promises? Yeah. Undefeated and never wrong. And Saul had a chance. Saul had many choices. He had many choices when he flew and he decided not to fly with God. It's a bummer for it to end like that. When men of Israel who were on the other side of the valley and those beyond the Jordan saw that the men of Israel had fled and that Saul and his sons were dead, they abandoned their cities and ran away. So we lost the army, we lost the king and the kingly line. Now we've lost some towns. Is this a loss for more than just Saul? Hmm. The next day, the Philistines came to strip the slain, and they found Saul and his three sons fallen on Mount Gilboa. So they cut off his head, stripped off his armor, sent messengers throughout the land of the Philistines to carry the good news to the house of their, of their idols and to the people. Hey, look what we did. They put his armor in the temple of Ashtaroth, and they fastened his body to the wall at Beth Shan. Hmm. Just putting it on display, right? Where, where did it, it said that they took his head and they, they took it back to show to the Philistines, right? They want to send a message to the Philistines. I want you to catch something that probably a lot of people would miss. But then they took his body and they hung it on a wall, but not in Philistia. Hung it on the wall of Beth Shan. What's Beth? Oh, she's the nice girl that lives down the street. <laughs> no, Beth is a Hebrew word. So where's his body get displayed? Amongst the Hebrews. Is he sending a message to the Hebrews too? He sent a message to the Philistines. He sent a message to the Hebrews. Ooh, um, how's this going to go for him? I mean, if you do God's bidding, that's one thing. You start poking and prodding God's people and showing off. How's that going to go? Not well. Right? When the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead, that's Hebrew, heard that the Philistine, what had the Philistines had done to Saul, all the valiant men arose and went all night, took the body of Saul and the bodies of his sons from the wall of Bethshan, and they came to Jabesh and burned them there took their bones, buried them under the tamarisk tree in Jabesh, and fasted seven days. Over. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Wait, that's the end? I mean, should we have a little more? Where's David? Where's Samuel? 
Where's God? Where's Israel? It's a mess. All came apart. Had been so good. First king. First king they ever had. He was supposed to be the greatest. And it all messed up. Why? What happened? Let's, let's, let's do a test of the emergency broadcast system. Okay? What happened with Saul that it ends this way? I asked you earlier, how many of you came here and became Christians so that you could lose and be a loser? None of you raised your hand, which I appreciate. Let's figure out how to not lose then. Fair, fair exercise? What went wrong? Stop listening to the armor bearer, to his wife. Who do you stop listening to? We're at church. We ask the question, God. We stop listening to God. That's a statement of your, look at your outline at the very top. It says 1 Samuel chapter 31. It's a statement about your faith. Does faith have effects? The end of Samuel, 1 Samuel, is really a culminating statement about God. The book, beyond just Samuel, is really about God. Why do we have these books within a book that's about God? Why do we have those still? For that word that starts with F and ends with right? It's for us to have faith. And faith has effects. You know, the question that we should be answered, we're meant to ask when we get to the end of this book is, what are the faith effects that you've seen? What, what are your faith effects? Because once we see the passage and we see the story from beginning end to end, all the way from uh, Eli and Hannah all the way up to the end of Saul. Who was affected? How were they affected? What was their interaction with God like? And are we taking those lessons and applying them? Um, quite honestly, we're here for more than worship. What, Scott? You can't say that at church. Well, stick with me for a second. We worship. Now let's say that's the first step. What's the second step then? We learn, we, we worship, we learn, and we learn more, and then we worship, and there's a great little cycle here, learning and worshiping, and it all growing and getting bigger, and you get more faith and more, more worship, and, and then, okay, great. Let's say you're in semi-decent condition. What do we do with that? What's next? Serve. Believe it. Act on it. Act like it. Right? Hey, you know, a lot, a lot of times my dad would joke, hey, are you my son? Yeah. Well, you should start acting like it. You know, usually when I was doing something wrong. Right? But we're meant to see that faith affects. 
And there are faith effects. I was really trying to figure out how to name it this week. And I think we nailed it. Faith effects. Let's look at this uh, quickly. There was only 13 verses, and God's not in it, and I'm, I'm, I'm racking my brain all week thinking about this, and this is what I came up with. Your faith affects your people. I asked you, did this affect more than just Saul? It did. How's the armor bearer doing? Well, he's six feet under. How'd the army do? Well, they're six feet under too. What about the towns around there? Well, they're homeless. They lost all their stuff. Where's David? He's in a foreign country, fighting for the survival of his family and his army's family, estranged from his own country. Your faith affects your people. It's absolutely true for Saul. And we see that in a drastic measure and a negative measure. But, but have, we, have we seen that earlier in the book? Better terms? I mean, it's kind of depressing to talk about Saul. Can we do happy? Let's have happy Sunday. Great, ready? Remember Samuel? Did Samuel have faith effects? Absolutely. Samuel nail, nailed it. When? All the time. How well? Out of the park. He killed it. He was in the... Uh, in the synagogue in, doing priestly duties. He was talking to God regularly. God was giving him direction. He was giving that direction to the people of Israel. He was also giving direction to Saul. In fact, he's the one that told Saul, hey, you need to go do this and that. And, and then when Saul went and didn't do this or that, he came back and Samuel said, hey, knucklehead, you forgot how this works? There's a whole faith thing that's meant to be followed with application and action. If you don't want to be his, he believes you. Did Samuel have effects? Absolutely. When it really got bad, who'd Saul call? Called Samuel? Why? Because Samuel was so great? No. Samuel had faith. And his faith was to the point where it was affecting things. It was affecting his people. Israel did really well. The Hebrews did well under Samuel as he was around. As soon as Samuel's gone and now Knucklehead's in charge, starts going downhill, right? What about David? Does David affect his faith affect his people? Absolutely. We saw last chapter, his wives, all of his men's wives, all their kids, all, all their, their town got burned to the ground and they all got taken captive. Now they've got to go get them and bring them back and then there's an internal argument and morale's not good because the army's divided. Might say two political parties, but that might hit too close to home. David is making some decisions well and he's making some decisions poorly. Are they affecting? Yeah. Is he winning battles? Sure. Is he losing sometimes? Yes. Why? Because he's kind of average when it comes to faith. So what kind of effects did he get? 
from his average faith. He got average effects, right? And his people kind of ebbed and flowed with however he was doing. What's the lesson for us? (laughs) Don't be average, right? Because it affects your people. It absolutely affects your people. Your faith affects your people. Your faith also affects your self. Yourself. You know the best way to help your people? Be healthy. Now, does that mean to be self-centered? Say no. Does it mean be self-aware? Absolutely. Self-serving? No. Self-deprecating? Maybe. Selfish? No. But if you're unhealthy, if your faith lacks, you're going to be in a tough spot to do anything else. If you're afraid to take steps in his direction or take steps in directions he's asked you to go, I mean, if, if you're sitting here doing this, and for those of you who are, can't see it or are watching or listening to the podcast, I'm standing here twiddling my thumbs, lightly shaking my knee, accomplishing what? Nothing. Huh. When you take this posture with God, what posture does he take with you? <laughs> this is almost identical. He twiddles his thumbs. Shakes his knee a little bit. And every once in a while he goes, hey, check out this knucklehead. Almost the same as us. We wait. Sometimes he waits too. Why? Because the biggest lessons that he has for you are not for you to give to other people. I, I finally, I'm, I'm making some ground on this new concept. Do you know why I'm a pastor? I'm starting to figure this out. It's not for you. I like you. I love you. I don't know you, but I love you. Um, You can have my cell phone number. We can meet. All that stuff. Guess what the majority of that is for? Me? Why? Because I'm the most important person in the room? Say no. Because I need the most work. That's a weird thing to work on, come to terms with. Now, will it affect my people? Absolutely. And the best way for me to affect my people, family, spouse, you guys, but you're all family, right? Um, is for me to be healthy myself, for me to have a faith of my own, for me to study and act out and apply so that I know when I see wrong, so I know when I see false, so I have more clarity when I look at culture, so I can be clear when I answer a question. I love it. How does your faith affect you is a tough question. Some of you I know do small groups and you write questions down. 
from the sermons for your small group. There's a question. How does your faith affect you? What does self get from faith? That, that needs to be answered. Because Saul kind of affected himself, didn't he? <laughs> Infected himself. Samuel had a much different experience. And David, altogether different as well. It's kind of weird. It's like we have Samuel, and then we have Saul, and then we've got David in the middle. Ooh. What do you think the next book's about? Second Samuel. Samuel's dead. Saul's dead. There's only two left. David and Oh good. I was I, man, if you got that one wrong. <laughs> so it affects your people, it affects yourself, and then your faith affects your experience. Wait. Okay, Scott, I see what you did there. You took two fill-ins and you stretched it into three because the second fill-in and the third fill-in, they're essentially the same. You did the same fill-in twice. That's cheating. I want a third of my tithe back. No and no. Once you give it to it, that's it. We'll never give it back. I'm, I'm joking around. Um, your experience is, you know, faith is, you, uh, when, you, when it affects self, that's you, who you are. That's where we start. Your experience can be wholly different based on your actions and your choices, where you go and who you relate with. And you can, you can work on self you also need to work on experience because, well, you can take your talent and bury it because you know your master and you're kind of clear on self. And what will you get for that? You'll just still have that one talent from that parable and you have nothing more to give God. But what else did you miss out on? the experience of what you could have done had you taken your talents and invested them somewhere and done some things and met some people and had some wins. I mean, think about what Samuel got to experience. He, he experienced something I dare say none of us have ever experienced. He talked with God. Now, anybody says that to me today, I'm like, uh, sorry, I got a lunch appointment. <laughs> they make me nervous. Oh, yeah, I talk to God regularly, and he talks to me. Sure you do. Now, could it happen? Yes. Was it more prevalent then? Absolutely. But I'm, I'm absolutely convinced that Samuel had a very different experience with God and himself and then with his people and the next two kings. And what did Samuel get to be a part of? Sacrifices? Directing the king? What a great experience. 
increasing your faith could give you new experiences, what would those be? Or you can do the Saul thing. I, I go to church just enough so that Scott doesn't notice I'm missing. Right? Always cracks me up. People, they come in late. Oh, I'm sorry I'm late. You're not late. If you show up, you're on time. <laughs> right? But I'll, I'll go just enough. I haven't been in a while. Eh, I'll watch online. I feel guilty if I don't. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's not why we're doing this. You know, I haven't, I haven't tithed in a long time. So what? It's not what it's about. When we do things with God, we do them for the experience of God. And it builds faith. And it might give us knowledge. And we might have the opportunity to give or serve or some of these other things. But we have to get to the point where we believe it and go with it rather than, oh, I just do it sometimes. And then, well, you know, Sunday afternoon till early Sunday morning, that six day and 20 hour week experience, I kind of do what I want. But I'm there at church. I tell you what. Really? Great. I knew a guy. Claimed he'd never miss church on a Sunday his whole life. Wow. So what? That sounds great. I mean, you got perfect attendance. You get a pin in heaven for that or something? I never missed a Sunday. Okay. So? Saul was that guy. I kind of show up at the synagogue. I kind of talk to the priest, but most of the time I do what I want. And when God starts giving me answers that I don't like, he jumps ship. And then he wonders why it goes south. And how's it end for him? He went down in history as one of the most famous names of all time. We're still reading his story to this day. He went down in glory. <laughs> Wrong kind of glory? Infamy. There you go. Who do we have, who do we have left? We had Samuel. And we had Saul. And then we got this guy, David. And David's struggling with his experience. He's making deals with the enemy sometimes. Other times, he's talking with the priest and he's making sure he doesn't kill the king even though he's supposed to be king and has been anointed. And not just anointed, anointed by God and Samuel. Remember him? Well, I should and I can because that's who I'm supposed to be. No. He doesn't claim personal rights. He does what's best for the community over individual. And then there's other times where he's off doing who knows what. What? Why did the Bible give us Samuel and Saul but leave us with David? Why does God do that for us? I know this is a little bit higher than a kindergarten. I try to only ask 
kindergarten questions, mostly because I'm not smarter than a fifth grader. Because we're like David. We're probably, ah, newsflash, I know this is rough. Bummer Sunday, you're probably never going to be as good as Samuel. He was pretty awesome. Okay. First, and none of you are Levites, and none of you are Jewish, and so none of you are going to be priests. You just you can't be him. Right? None of you are going to be Saul either. Because one, you're not that dumb. But you're also never going to be king of Israel. They don't have kings anymore. You can't be him. But David, this guy who waffles in the middle, you can be him. You got a shot at that. And he has great experiences and he has poor experiences. In fact, when we get into 2 Samuel, it can go south quickly. And you have to stay on top of it. And the question, you know, the question I ask myself, which one of these am I? And then I was realizing there was another in fact, there were two more way back in the beginning. Remember, there was Eli and there was Hannah. Ooh, could I be Hannah? Could I be Eli? They were doing the best they could with what they had. And they made a couple mistakes, maybe. not, Maybe not Hannah. I mean, Hannah. Have you ever met a Hannah? They're always perfect. <laughs> Shout out. No. Um. But Eli, he made a couple mistakes. What are my faith effects? Who am I most like? Am I a Samuel or a Saul or a David? When am I those? You know, because you're not always David. And you might be like Samuel sometimes. You might fall into, oh man, I'm feeling very Saulish today. <laughs> right? I need to go find a Hannah. The question, who am I becoming? How am I affecting self and the people around me by the faith that I have? And what am I learning from the stories? And am I applying those things? That's what makes the difference. That's what people need to hear here. Who am I bringing to church? What am I giving? How am I serving? What am I obedient in? What am I disobedient in? <laughs> what are some areas of mystery that I can talk to him about? Where does worry live in me? Where is confidence strongest? These are great questions. They all have to do with who? We're at church. I asked the question. They all have to do with God. It all has to do with your faith. You notice the reference for this filling? If you look there, First Samuel. That's one through thirty-one. What's the point? Irony. It's the whole book, right? Your faith affects your experience. I was wondering. I was thinking about this as I get my glasses and as I was studying this week you know this is how the book ended how the book beginning begin we talked about 
first chapter, finding God's favor. What's that look like? How do you do that? Chapter two, finding God's priorities. What's important to him and how do I do them? Chapter three, finding God's path. What's the trajectory, right? Chapter four, finding God's place. Where's he? Chapter five, finding God's victory. What does winning look like, right? Chapter six, finding God's hand. All these different things that we're meant to be set up with so that we can know him. And then beyond knowing him, follow him. In fact, Jesus said it this way. He said, you call me Savior and Lord. And that is correct, for that is who I am. And he goes on talking after that. What if you just stopped right there? You call me Savior and Lord. And that's right. Because that's who I am. If he's Savior, are you Savior? No, he is. So who's doing the saving and the fixing? Yeah, so who should we be paying attention to, plugged into, listening to, talking to, crying at, yelling at? Yeah, is he the, is he the one you would be um, doing silent treatment with? I know some of you, way too good at silent treatment. Right? I gotta imagine if you do it to people, you might could be doing it to him too. lost my train of thought I must be lacking faith it's ex- affecting my experience right now <laughs> it's, 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 I suffer from OLD yeah mm. amen <laughs> sometimes it just ends abruptly like chapter 31. Um, can you have this experience? If, if we say chapters 1 through 31, then rather than can you have this experience, you will have this experience. How you experience, how it goes, and how it turns out are up to you. What's the first step? Ask God, me, me, and you from now on. That's like one of my favorite ways to say it. Me and you, mostly you from now on. That's the way. We call it uh, accepting Christ or being born again or the prayer of salvation. Maybe today the way you'd say it is, uh, Lord, I want to have faith in you. And I want you to affect everything. If that's it, if that's you, you've got to say it. I can do a lot of things as a pastor. I can't say that for you. But if you say it, I can help you. We can help you. We are a community that serves the greater community. Okay? If that's you and you want to start a relationship with the Lord, we want to know. It's the whole business I'm in. I signed up for it. 
I actually enjoy it. But not as much as you will. You will enjoy it more. Amen? Amen. Father, may we uh, enjoy you, enjoy your son. Thank you for what we learn later in Scripture about your spirit and how your spirit is in us. I pray for those who've never asked you to take over, never asked your spirit to come in. Pray, Lord, that they would start that faith journey and that would affect everything. May those of us who uh, have come to pay previously, may we be clear, self-aware on what's being affected and how our faith ties to it. We thank you for these stories, this book, and what we've been able to enjoy from it. Lord, may, may you build on that. And then we ask your blessing on this offering. Use it to continue the work that's going on here. And I pray for those that are guests or visiting. You just feel free to let that plate pass on by. We pray all this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. We don't talk about this much because uh, we don't ask for money generally. Uh, but there's other ways to give. We have a box, an offering box in the back with envelopes if, if, if you want to give that way. There's also ways to give online. I'm supposed to make sure you know that. We had a budget meeting recently. That's all we'll say about that. May you be affected by your faith through God more and more. Amen? Go with him.